0: Well, good morning, friends. So good to see you. And uh, today we're going to conclude our study of 1 Peter. We've been spending the whole journey. Uh, The whole summer journeying through this time with 1 Peter. And uh, what I think is really good about this is that we we get the whole big picture of what Peter wanted to uh, share with us. Um, And and it kind of pulls everything together. It also safeguards our interpretation of scripture. Because when we know what Peter's talking about, we won't just tear a verse out here or there. And make it say perhaps what we want it to say. Um, Also... It helps in that as we go through the whole book, we begin to master parts of scripture. I should say rather, scripture begins to master us more and more. And we'll come up uh, against some situations when God will bring to our remembrance some of those things that have happened as we've studied in first Peter. Uh, So uh, the message today, we're talking about standing firm, hanging in there, Uh, And uh, life can be confusing at times. Uh, We can run up against uh, all kinds of trouble and hurts and pain. Uh, Sometimes we don't know why things are happening and we're at a loss to figure out what's going on. We're struggling and uh, life can seem at times unbearable. It it can seem full of pain and heartache and brokenness and loss. And, And that's just... Uh, some of the tough things it is about living. Some of you are experiencing difficult times right now. I know you've been financially affected uh, by the virus. Uh, you're present uh, uh, at home, and and you you've you're uh, struggling and having a hard time with depression. Um, you're in a really dark place. You feel all alone and isolated. And sometimes you're devastated by a medical uh, diagnosis and uh, you've lost a loved one perhaps. And, and, and so there are all these things that hurt us and drag us down. And part of the trouble with this is that can happen when you're a committed Christian. Those kind of things can be in your life. If you're trying your very best to follow Christ and it's hard to make sense of it. Well, that's where Peter's audience was as well. Uh, They had left a godless life to follow Christ and they were doing that to the best of their ability, but they were also caught up in in being the objects of ridicule and persecution and having trouble in their life. Uh, Peter's audience was was struggling with these things, and in to a great extent, he was. They were struggling with these because they were believers, and uh, they try, They were trying to make sense of that, um, and, and so Peter is writing to these believers in Asia. He's uh, in his audience. He so appreciates who they are, where they've come from, but he knows that they're in a tough uh, time. And just I want to just refu- review of, and rehearse a few things that Peter had said to help them through this journey um, as they go, uh, because they weren't prepared for all those struggles and trials and, and persecution. And, and so Peter writes to them uh, to help them. And if I could put a verse over the whole book of 1 Peter that encapsulates the message. Should it be 1 Peter 5, 12? It says this, I've written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. This is true salvation. This is where God wants you to be. This is what he wants for you. Now stay there. Stand fast in it. Hold on, don't quick, stand firm, and hold your ground. Well, we learned uh, over the last number of weeks that to keep faithful, we need to be able to praise God for his incredible salvation that he's poured out on us and the sure hope that we have for what lies beyond this life and what he has in store for us. We're to remember that God can bring joy into our life, even in difficulties and trials and and struggles. And uh, also he can strengthen our faith, and and make us people of character through the things that we uh, are confronted with. And then there's the love of the body of Christ, other believers who care for us, and we care for them, and we help each other in this time. He taught us to know who we are. Our identity is in God, as God's chosen people. And we're to live that way, and he shows us How beautiful the Christian life can be and that that can have a real impact on people in our community. People who don't know who God is. He instructs us so that we shouldn't be surprised when these things attack us or we find difficulties or trial. Um, He wants us to know that the best is yet to come. that There is a paradise lying ahead for us and that following the pattern of Jesus own life. That there was suffering and then there was glory. And we want the glory, but we don't want to go through the suffering. But if we're following Jesus, there may be suffering in our life that will precede that glory. Well, Peter calls the church leaders to help to support the people, to get them through their struggles. And so we're going to conclude the book and, and the letter um, with a few things Uh, That Peter wants to wrap up with. To help us to be victorious. Even though we're running into some difficulties and trials. Well the first of those is this. He wants us to be able to accept trials as from God. To accept our trials and the things that come into our life. As coming from God. Now that may not sound encouraging to you. But let me tell you. It is when we understand what he's talking about. Here's what he says. In 1 Peter 5, verse 6, he says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves. We finished off last week, and we found that God called uh, all the believers there uh, to uh, clothe themselves with humility. They were to be humble toward one another. And he says this, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud. Can you, can you imagine that? To put yourself in an adversarial role to God because of your pride. That's what you do. Uh, and, and God says, I oppose the proud. And that's a frightful statement to think that God is not on our side. When in pride and arrogance, we in essence make an enemy of him. Well, we can struggle with trials Even if we don't like them. But we're told that God is sovereign over all. He controls history. That means the challenges that are confronted by us aren't outside of his control. That they're even a part of his will for our life. Listen to what it says in chapter 3 and verse 17. For it's better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for evil. Do you see what he said? He said, It's God's will if we suffer for doing good. Uh, In chapter 4 and verse 19, it says, So those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. Did you see again? He said very clearly that you can suffer. Uh, in, in, in keeping with God's will. He wants us to know that all of those things, still, um, he hasn't forgotten us. He, he, he doesn't, it's not like he doesn't know what's going on. It doesn't, it's not like he is helpless and can't do anything, or, or that everything has gone wrong. And, and people are thinking, what did I do to deserve this? I've just tried to be a good Christian, and, and, and now look what I'm into. And so he wants us to know, That God can use those things for good in our life to make us people of God that he wants us to be. Now it's interesting he says um, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Interesting thing about that phrase God's mighty hand because it happens only once in the New Testament. But it happens many times in the Old Testament. And one way it was used in the Old Testament is to speak of God's power and his deliverance. And when we look in the Old Testament, one of the great events of the, in the Old Testament was uh, the Exodus. When God took his people out of bondage and slavery and freed them. And, and it speaks of God um, unleashing his uh, right hand, his powerful right hand. And, and he is executing his judgment and he is uh, he's also delivering his people and and we as we think about this we need to remember that this can be part of God's will for us but that he doesn't leave us in this uh, but we're under his mighty hand that he might lift us up in due time You see, there's a coming glory we talked about, and he touches on that through the the letter. There's a coming glory. There's a right time when he'll bring glory forward. And and that becomes a theme that we need to trust him for our future. And and, um, well, we we may well have problems in this time, but there is a, uh, in due time, in his time, there will be glory for us. And uh, I I just think uh, of Paul's words in Romans 8. If God be for us, who can be against us? And so there is a future glory and we cling to that. Well, secondly, uh, he wants us to stand firm against the devil. To stand firm against the devil. Now listen to what he says in verses 8 and 9. Be alert. And sober mind and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. He he says. You've got to, you've got to understand that we have an enemy. There's an enemy of our soul that is working against us, working against God and what God wants for us, trying to drag us down, trying to hurt us, uh, trying to discourage us, to turn us against God, to trick or manipulate us, to seduce us into rebellion or sin, ultimately to destroy us. And he is a real person, the devil. He is menacing and he's sneaky and we're called to be alert. We're called to uh, watch carefully and be vigilant. Uh, he's, he says here to be really, it's to be clear minded. It's, it's like a person who's inebriated and they don't have good judgment. We're called to be watchful. We're called to be vigilant because your enemy is intent on your demise. Well, the devil is likened to a lion He's like a lion that goes around and roars and and intimidates and tries to scare people and hurt them. Um, He's uh, he's on the hunt. He's a predator and he's roaring and he's threatening and he's intimidating and he's clawing at you and trying to strike fear into you, trying to to have you think that it's not worth being a Christian if if this is what you have to go through. And uh, to get Christians... To defect from the faith or, or just to leave or to give up or to doubt that God is good or, or that he's powerful enough. And, and uh, that roaring lion wants to scatter the flock and chase them away in panic. But he can, when you consider him, it's, he, th- he wants you to think it's not worth being a Christian with what you have to go through. That the cost is too high, that, that uh, the suffering is too great. And besides, we're really asking a question, who's in control here? Is it God or is it Satan? Has God lost control? Is Satan running roughshod, doing his own thing, and, and God has no hope or help for dealing with him? Well, in the Old Testament... Uh, there's a book that helps us understand this issue, and it's the book of Job. It's about a man who was absolutely the most wealthy man in, uh, in, of his time, but he was also the most godly man. And oftentimes you don't see that combination together. And Satan approaches God, and God says to Satan, have you seen my servant Job? Uh, have you seen how righteous he is, how he lives his life so circumspectly and, and so properly? And Satan said, well, of course he does. Look at how you've blessed him. He's got everything. But if you took that away, uh, then you would find that he wasn't that kind of person that you think he is. And God said, okay, um, you can do that, but you can't touch his life. You can't touch him. And so uh, Satan so worked that Job lost all of his uh, wealth, all of his flocks and herds. Everything was was stolen away and his 10 children were having a party in their home and a terrible wind came through and the house collapsed and all of his children were lost in one foul swoop. He came back and uh, his response was this, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Satan goes back to God and says, uh, God says to Satan, so what do you think about Job? Oh, he says, well, that's fine. But if you touch his skin, skin for skin, he'll curse you and die. And so God said to Satan, okay, uh, you can touch him, but you can't take his life. And so Satan went out and afflicted Job with these terrible, horrendous boils, these weeping sores from the crown of his head to the sole of his foot. And he sat with broken pottery scraping off these pussy wounds in, in terrible agony. And, uh, and we see again that Satan, uh, that, that Satan was not able to seduce uh, Job in, uh, to, to die or to curse God at all. But we do see something very clearly here. That Satan cannot do anything without permission from God. He's not all-powerful. He's not not sovereign over all. God is still in that place. And he wants us to know that that the enemy prowls around, but that that God still has control over him in those things. And for reasons sometimes that we don't understand or know ourselves, uh, we see that what Satan may want to do to us um, will, will not be what God has in mind. Uh, and uh, it's interesting when we look at Jesus and his life, Satan was intent on, on having Jesus put to death. And, and he was never happier than when he moved upon the uh, religious leaders uh, to take uh, Jesus, uh, to uh, crucify him and put him to death. And uh, he thought to himself, I've done it now. I- I've defeated uh, God. And uh, that was not the case at all. See, S- Satan is crafty, but I'll tell you this, he's not that smart. Because in doing that, he signed his own death warrant. That his, his uh, future was sealed at that moment because Jesus was, uh, was able to, uh, overcome death it, it says in Acts 2, two and 23 that that uh, through Jesus death this man handed you over by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you with the help of wicked men nailed him to the cross but God raised him up from the dead Do you see what happened there uh, Satan wanted to destroy Jesus in the in the process of doing that all he did was fulfill the will of God and signed his own death warrant. It's what, uh, it's what Joseph would do with his brothers. Who sold him into slavery. And, and were cruel and mean to him. And uh, when they were reunited. They were afraid that he would take vengeance upon them. And, and so we see that Joseph says this in Genesis uh, 50 verse 20. He says um, that you meant what you did for evil. But God meant it for for good now we're called to resist the enemy we're called to stand firm in the faith Uh, we're called there to fight the same battle And, and our response is not to attack our enemy Satan but it's to stand against him to stand firm and that's what he wants us to do to resist and stand firm it says in the faith Because you know the the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. This wasn't unique to them. This has happened to Christians all over the globe. And our response, as I said, is not to attack, but to resist. We resist. We hold our ground. We don't fear. We don't run. We stand in the power of God and God with us. That's why the Apostle Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, Verses 10 and following he said be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the armor of God so that you can stand your ground. Against the devil's schemes. He goes on another couple verses later. And he says put on the armor of God. So you can stand or stand against. Uh, go another verse 614. It's to stand firm. To stand your ground. And uh, James would say in James 4 7. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. Take your stand. Resist him in the power of God. And he'll flee from you. You don't chase. You stand uh, your ground. The enemy, you see, is eternally banished in the lake, will be eternally balanced, banished in the lake of fire in the end. And the, vic- the vi- ours is the victory over him. And so we need to be vigilant and understand that we have an enemy, but that God can help us, that we can stand against him. Well, thirdly, uh, uh, if we're going to keep standing in our faith we need to trust God to make all things right we live in an upside-down world we live in a world where our values as believers in Jesus Christ are often at odds with the the values of people around us Uh, there's a conflict that often comes we're resident aliens we're people in in a place where we don't belong it's not our home and people recognize that and there can be uh, belittling and opposition and friction and hatred and persecution for these different people with these different values from God. And, and not, uh, not living the way that uh, the people of uh, Asia were living. Uh, you may have to go through suffering. But God will correct and he'll vindicate and it will be worth it all. Listen to what he says uh, in verses 10 and 11. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you have suffered a little while. Will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Do you hear that? He says we need to trust God to make things right in the future. Uh, so often we find in 1 uh, Peter that, that we are, have so much of our stock is placed in this world and in this life and not realizing what, what is there for us in the, in the time to come. And uh, he, he says this, that, that uh, we need to understand that he will... He'll not only vindicate Jesus, he will vindicate us someday. And, and that means that every sacrifice that you've made to follow Jesus Christ, everything that you gave up for him, uh, all of those things, um, he's going to make that right. He'll vindicate you. The people that thought you were crazy for your commitment to him and what you would do for Christ, uh, putting, putting others first, he'll vindicate you. Every kindness to those people who abused you and hurt you uh, will be recognized. Uh, every person who rejected you and belittled you and slandered and lied about you will be put to shame and you'll be vindicated before them. Your life will shine like the stars. And, and uh, all of the, video, the, the physical abuse that you took and the scars will be beautifully healed over. And it will be known by all. That you did that for him and that he will vindicate you. And people uh, through, uh, ha- have wasted their lives at time and, and given, given away uh, uh, and not follow Jesus Christ at all. People will recognize at that time what a terrible mistake they have made. And so he wants us to trust God for the future. That everything will be okay and he will vindicate us even though others don't think that. In this way. And look at what he says he'll do. After, after we've, he, we've suffered Christ for Christ. He said he'll restore you. He'll make you strong. And, and that's like s- stone or granite. Um, he'll make you firm and steadfast. All of those things. After you've suffered for Christ. He's going to do that for you. And there will be an eternal glory waiting for you. And, uh, and nothing that you will have had to endure. To follow Christ will mean anything to you at that point. That will be lost. You'll be vindicated publicly before believers and non-believers. And he finishes with a beautiful little uh, uh, doxology. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So you're struggling and you're struggling perhaps to trust God. Don't worry, he'll fix it. He will do a great reversal and make all things right. And everything will be as it should be. And we will, we will be recognized and acknowledged for that. So he says, stand firm. Well, the last thing he says here is, entrust yourself to the care of God. Entrust yourself to the care of God. You might have thought that I skipped over Verse 7 and forgot about it. But I didn't. I just wanted to close with this. He says cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. We have this picture of God as judge and and his power and his sovereignty over all of the universe, his awesome character. And and there's something that is so soothing, so comforting that there is a God who loves us, who has compassion for us, who cares about us. And he says, cast your cares, cast your anxieties uh, on me because I care for you. This incredibly wise, powerful, sovereign creator invites us to draw near to him and and to cast our anxiety on him and our worries and our fears and our cares because he cares for us. Can you believe that? A God that is so great, but he knows you. He cares for you he reaches out and he puts his arms around you and says, cast your care upon me. Give it to me. I can can handle that. I care for you. I love you. I I will help you. I'll be there with you. Beautiful thing that we read in Hebrews uh, chapter 4 that Jesus as our high priest can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He understands he walked in our shoes and he invites us to come and and get close to him and understand that he cares for us. Jesus would say in another place in Matthew 11, come unto me all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Uh, have Have you been struggling has it been tough for you to follow Christ? Are you going through a season where, where, you're, where you're plagued by so many uh, things that are hurtful and, and dragging you down? And remember that there is a God who loves you, that Jesus Christ himself reaches out his arms and says, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened. And, and you'll be safe in his embrace. And uh, Peter didn't just write this stuff. Peter lived this Peter understood this Peter experienced this from God even after he had failed uh, some tests that God had given him so there's help for those who are struggling even for our faith and then he has this little farewell the last couple of verses he says this with the help of Silas whom I regard as a faithful brother I've written to you briefly. And uh, I think we don't, we're not sure what Silas did, whether he took the letter to the, uh, to the people in Asia or what he did, but uh, he recognizes him and he says, you've got the right thing. You, you have the grace of God and the true grace and stand fast in it. And then he says, she, who is Babylon. And that was just code for Rome where Peter was in Rome. He says, together with you, send your greetings And so does my son, Mark, greet one another with a kiss of love, peace to all of you who are in Christ. And so we hear those words, stand firm, stand firm in the grace of God, no matter what, stand firm to the glory of God, stand firm. And and, uh, I just want to encourage you to rehearse this and maybe read over this book again and find the help and encouragement that we need when we're going through some tough times. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know who needs help today. I don't know who's going through a tough time and who's struggling so much. They're wondering if they're going to make it. May they look to you, Lord, May they find courage and strength in you. May you grant them a fresh wind under their wings. May the hope of eternity energize them. May the body of Christ rally around them and support them. May God's people experience victory in Jesus. Give us strength uh, to overcome these things. Help us as the body to be involved in one another's help. And lifting them before you. And Father we pray that we would be victorious in you. And Jesus Christ would be seen in us. And we would be asked what is it about you. The hope that you have. And we can tell them about the good news of Jesus. So Father I just pray for uh, whoever is listening to me. Who's going through a terrible, uh, difficult, stressful time. I pray that these truths will be that which... Bring them comfort, encouragement, and strength in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.